I even remember being extremely angry as I was reading this book at the fact that there were so many gurus and so many of these finance books that I had read in the past that didn't tell me what was what I was being told in this book. And and all it all it was, and really all MJ's book is, is just what entrepreneurship is about, which is solving a problem in the marketplace and providing actual value to people. And that wasn't what I got from the gurus and even from this business that I just started with my friend. It was much more about money. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by ASTOTS Academy, which offers online courses that help investors aspiring professionals, business leaders, and even beginners to improve the finances of their lives and their businesses. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to claim your discount on the course that excites you most. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guest, James Janney. James, are you ready to rock? I am indeed, Andrew. Let's do this. (laughs) Well, to the audience out there, Listen up. Writer Sierra Wiltz wrote in her article on Medium about James that he stands out because he provides quality, value, and most importantly, he tells a great story. James Janney is a YouTube expert and vlogger who creates thought-provoking documentaries on YouTube about business, money, and life. He's been running a YouTube channel since January of 2020. That's right. January of 2020, just recently, that has now grown to more than 422,000 subscribers with an average of 2 million views a month. His video, The Untold Truth About Money, has had 3.8 million views. And I first, myself, went down his rabbit hole watching The Rise of Fake Gurus. And I highly recommend that you watch that too. He now wants to share his methods with other people interested in growing their YouTube channel to massively expand their audience, reach, and engagement. James, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Yeah, thank you so much, Andrew. And yeah, what an awesome introduction. I really do appreciate it. It's weird as well, especially because, yeah, since I started the channel only relatively recently, the idea of, I guess, being known for the channel and being the kind of quote unquote YouTuber is, is a new sort of identity that I've had to had to kind of get used to really in the short space of time that I've been in that sort of arena, really where most of my experience comes from. And we're going to, I imagine, touch on it quite a bit in this podcast, but most of my experience comes from acting and being in sort of the arts and the theater space. And I mean, since I was a kid, my mom would take me to sort of Saturday classes for acting. And kind of from there that that began to grow into, oh, maybe I should become an actor. And, and from there it became more of, yeah, I want to be an actor. And from there it was, I want to be the best actor and I want to be in Hollywood and all of this stuff. And it really grew and expanded. And I'd done several stuff with, you know, school, school theater stuff. I'd worked in a local community theater. I say worked, I was part of the local community theater and we'd do shows with them. And yeah, and, and it's weird. My my interest in, in business and entrepreneurship came about more recently, I'd say maybe a year and a half ago, although I've kind of now lost track yet. Yeah, it'd probably be about a year and a half ago where, you know, essentially I, I just I started to 
drift away from acting. And that's something that I'm going to be talking about in the podcast later on, because mm. in my opinion, that that <laughs> as harsh as it is, that would be the worst investment I made ever. But we'll get on to that. But yeah, my interest in entrepreneurship came about then. I had also failed to get into drama school. And slowly I, I shifted into uh, more business related stuff. And all of a sudden, I found myself inside the fake guru rabbit hole, which later led to me making a video about that on, on my YouTube channel. Uh, I found myself trying out a bunch of business ideas, some of which failed and eventually led me to creating the channel in the first place. And that pretty much is where we are at the moment. Mm. And, you know, I think for the benefit of the listeners out there, I know there's a lot of listeners who want to have a YouTube channel. It's so exciting, you know, and as I mm. was saying before, I have a YouTube channel with lots of videos and very few viewers. And, you know, you came on the scene and immediately, you know, have done really well. And what's, you know, amazing is that you've got nine videos and you got 400,000, <laughs> you know, views. So maybe you could just, for us beginners out there who are thinking, I want to do video, tell us just like, how did you, what's your secret? Not your secret, but <laughs> I don't want to use that word because that sounds like it's a scam, but it's yeah. not. But you obviously worked really hard to produce. It wasn't just like, oh, I just picked up a microphone and a camera and then boom. Yeah, I think, and and like just to even be clear, like it, I never even expected to grow at that rate. I literally have like behind me, I have like a whiteboard with my goals for this year. And one of them was just to get a thousand subscribers on YouTube. And I honestly would have been happy with that. And I would have called that, you know, a done deal. I didn't even think I could hit that number to be like completely truthful with you. Hmm. I think when it comes to uh, the the sort of the secret, there's the bunch of stuff where like I can go on and talk about the YouTube algorithm, which is, you know, how YouTube tries to, or what content YouTube tries to push to people on the website and what it's sort of, what data it uses to determine which video it should push. And I can go on a whole charade about all of that stuff. And there's plenty of information out there, but I think the, the thing that I tend to see, which isn't talked about as much or is sort of put in on the second category of, of importance is the actual content and the quality of the content itself. What I find is that, and what I found in, in the sort of finance business niche that I'm in is that you have a lot of people that will pretty much spam content out uh, as much as possible. A lot of it feels like it comes from people that aren't as genuine that sort of ties into the whole fake guru stuff mm. and i found that i was there was a, there was a sense that i could improve something here and, and that's kind of for me it became the foundation of what i think is the core of entrepreneurship which is about finding a solution to some kind of problem in the marketplace and and you know providing actual value to the market and for me when i was looking at it through the lens of youtube i saw that there was this niche business and finance and i, I saw that I think I could improve the the level of storytelling that goes into some of these videos. I don't really mm. see much of storytelling at all. It's normally just here's some facts and here's some figures and da 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 information information. I felt that there there could be more of some sort of documentary style, although I wasn't calling it that right at the start. I always was leaning more towards that side because of my background in in acting and my love for films and movies and all of this stuff. I knew I could bring some of that in to this niche, which is kind of 
not I hadn't seen it used as much. There was only one channel, Jake Tran, who I'd seen who did similar style videos to what I wanted to start off with. And when I kind of like aligned all of these things together and I saw, okay, there's actually some way in which I can stand out in this marketplace of YouTube and specifically in this niche, I said, well, let's, let's go for it. Why not? And what's interesting is that I didn't even start the channel with the intention of it being just the YouTube channel. I wanted to like indirectly promote a business I was starting at the time. But as soon as I edited that first video, I kind of realized how, how it utilized my creative skills and <laughs> all of the things that I've learned over the years, as well as being able to now do research for subjects that I am already interested in and be able to make videos from it. It was like a realization that, wow, this is, this is awesome. And kind of very quickly, it became its own thing for me. And the business idea that I was initially trying to promote sort of faded into dust as I <laughs> just went all in, all in on YouTube. And of course, coronavirus came down and lockdown happened. And that was like, a like, you don't have any other excuse. Now you can go all in on this thing. And luckily that that ended up paying paying off but if i was going to kind of give advice to people whilst it's very important to look at the algorithm understand what youtube is data youtube looks at and tries to promote um, start with understanding what what makes you different and what kind of content you want to put out and why should people care and, and what really what's going to make someone go click on your video as opposed to someone else in that niche and i would start there and then move on to understanding the algorithm so to follow up on that I guess one of the questions I have is, do you think, I mean, I would say that there's a couple of different aspects that I experienced by watching your videos. The one is the topic, mm. you know, the topics that you choose are ones that are fascinating. Now that's not to say that there's other videos. There are many videos out there on the different topics. Mm. That's one. And then the second thing is the quality of the way, you know, the quality of the work that you've done to create that video. I'm just curious, like, to what extent do you think, if we just look at those two factors and say there are other factors, but mm -hmm. we just were to look at those two factors, how do you, if you did really good quality videos, but the topic wasn't so, I don't know, sexy or so yes. apropos, yeah. or you did like really, you know, topical, but the video is not so great. Mm -hmm. What is your thoughts on the breakdown of what's made you successful between those two yeah, I think this is this is where it begins to stem more into the algorithm side of things. And part of that is understanding what people are interested in talking about on, you know, what's trending or what has constantly been a, a topic that people want to talk about. So if you kind of came out with a video, for example, that was just talking about how the stock market works, to be fair, that alone as a, as a title, as, as, a, as an idea for a video is pretty interesting. I think a lot of people would go for that. I mean, if you wanted to go into even something more boring and you want to explain like maybe you wanted to explain how bonds work or what are bonds then maybe you're in territory where it's not that interesting but if you can find a way of changing the title or the thumbnail or the way in which it's kind of presented initially to the to the viewer in such a way where it doesn't seem you know quote unquote boring that's when you can begin to to earn the click essentially i think one example is even my most popular video the the money video really that all that's about is is getting to the core of what entrepreneurship is and how that can lead you down the line to generating wealth for yourself if that's what you choose to do. But I titled it in such a way, which was the untold truth about money, which is very dramatic. And it's very, it, it appeals to a very, very broad audience. It's like the untold mm. truth about money, you know, what untold truth really the topic is, is about entrepreneurship is cool. But the way in which you frame it via the title 
all through and the thumbnail as well both of those things are very crucial is is done in such a way that it can appeal to a wider audience and is kind of turns a potentially boring subject or a subject that someone wouldn't be interested in into something far more intriguing. Obviously the content then supplements that by making it more this documentary style and quite dramatic with all the music and whatnot. Uh, And those kind of go hand in hand, but Mm -hmm. very, it's a very good point. If you are on YouTube, the next stage as as I say, is looking at the algorithm. And one part of that is taking these topics that you want to do videos on finding ways in which you can make them very intriguing via the title or thumbnail to earn that click. Yeah. And so that's kind of the starting point. You remind me, I just went onto the internet right now and typed in something and I came up with a quote that I, I always find so fascinating by a guy named Blair Warren when he wrote the one sentence persuasion course. And he has this amazing quote. And I think that in some ways this fits with one sentence, with one part of this sentence, which is justify their failures. You know, if it's untold, no wonder why it's not working for me. Nobody taught me this. You know, he mm-hmm. says, people will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, allay their fears, confirm their suspicions, and help them throw rocks at their enemies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Blair Warren, the one, one sentence persuasion course. But I think what you're saying is, you know, first you have to grab the audience. And once you grab them with that title, you know, and with the, the that now you've brought them in, and now it's a matter of creating quality content. Now, you said something else that was kind of interesting. And normally I don't go on this long, but I just find it fascinating for myself. But also I know plenty of listeners out there have thought, I got to do a YouTube channel. But you said something that was interesting. Like, what is your unique uniqueness that you're bringing to this? Like you specifically. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, t- tell us more what you mean by that. Yeah, so I guess it was kind of like when I was looking at the niche itself of business entrepreneurship and finance on YouTube, I had this background in acting, which I knew I could, I had to kind of find something that I could bring into the space, right, in order to stand out. And when I searched in my in my background, that was it, right? It was it was this idea of I've been doing acting, I've been watching films, I have this love for. The, the sort of storytelling that comes with that. In addition, I've also loved writing, although I've never taken it seriously. I've always written short stories or little things like that when I was younger to even today. And so it's like, how can I bring this now into this niche, which I know I haven't seen a lot of that. And that was kind of where I've, that idea has been implanted in my head through every video. And per each video, I've tried to, to just expand and get better and better when it comes to these aspects. Specifically, one thing for me was storytelling. I'd love, I, I'd love to have videos that are just so well done when it comes to a story. I mean, that's something that I've tried to achieve and, and tried to get better at with every single video. It's not something you typically see in the niche, which is where the uniqueness stands out. And it's also something that I have had a background in. So that for me was sort of a match, right? It's like, there's a gap in the market and I've got a background in that thing. And now all I got to do is just bring that into this niche uh, and hopefully let's see how the market responds to it. And yeah, I think that, that it worked out in my favor in the end. And that's a good challenge to all the listeners out there to think about what uniqueness can you bring to what you're doing. And I know in the case of my worst investment ever podcast, the uniqueness is that I'd look at investing from the negative side. I look at investing to say there's two ways that you build your wealth over time. First way is to make money as it's going up. But the second way is to not lose money 
when it's going down. And if we can focus on how do we not lose money? I think there's plenty of other people that may tell you how to gain money. I can speak on that, but really I think the value that I bring is my 30 years of experience in the markets and say, how do we build a library of knowledge about how we prevent ourselves from losing money or time or the other things that can be our worst investment ever. And really that brings us to the question. So let me ask you, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever, ever, ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Yeah, so it's interesting because, and I imagine this is probably a theme that you may find with other guests where the kind of the worst investment isn't in hindsight is seen as the worst investment, but rather it was a necessary step in, in learning some kind of lesson, right? And that for me comes in the form of my my passion for acting and my pursuit of, of the acting career. And as I mentioned, I have always had a love for acting in the past when I was introduced to it initially, when my mum was taking me to these Saturday classes throughout school where I've started becoming more vocal about it and started taking part into in, in more of the school shows to you know, going into the local theatre group that we had and, and doing shows for them and all of this stuff, it, it kind of built on itself. And, and without trying to even sound like braggy about it, but I, I was pretty good at acting. And there's this thing where when, you, when you're good at something where you have some, some kind of talent with it, you're, you're complimented a lot on it. And for me, I was validated a lot when I did my acting. If you never spoke to me in school or college, if you never, you know, if, if you never had a proper conversation with me, you'd still probably know me as oh, that acting guy or that guy that wants to be an actor because I built a huge reputation around it. And really when I boil it down I loved the validation that came from it and I never realized this and, and a part of me loved acting for the craft of it but there was a big part of me that loved the validation that I got from it and that positive feedback that came from it and it came about sort of sixth form time or college in the UK we sometimes alternate between calling it sixth form or college they're the two years before university so this is when I was about 17 16 17 18 in those in that range and i was i was in sixth form and that was when i started taking it a lot more seriously in terms of okay what drama school do i need to go to now and i went through sort of these auditions that you have to do before you go you have to kind of do these auditions very difficult to get into especially if you're going for like some of the top drama schools which i was and it's very hard to get in and I was going through all of this grind and slowly it was like a realization that appeared where I was starting to realize I'm, I'm not as, I'm not as passionate about this and I'm not as passionate about this, this grind of acting and really diving into the craft as, as much as, as I had seen being done in drama school. But it is very important to note that there was a mental battle going on mm. when I was coming to this realization, because from as someone who, who was like, you know, it's been part of my childhood. It's been something that I've told everyone about. It's been so ingrained into my identity to then have this, this other side of you start to go, I don't know if you're actually passionate about this 
you immediately attack that thought. It's, and that's what happened. I attacked it. I was like, no, I love the craft. Like, this is what I want to do. Is Like, this is it. I just want to be an actor for the rest of my life. Like, that, these were the thoughts that came out and tried to counteract that idea that I wasn't passionate about it because so much of my identity was built up on, on acting. And end of sixth form, I didn't get into drama school in that first year of auditions, which is typical. A lot of people don't get in on their first year. And I was like, okay, let's do second year round. We're going to, we're going to try and get this thing. And at the same time, I had successfully gotten into a one-year course at another drama school. And that was just like a one-year course, which was just about training. So I, I wanted to keep up, you know, the training whilst I was kind of on my, on my gap year and I had downtime and I wasn't in education. And as I was going through this, this gap year, that, that realization kept coming back, that feeling that I wasn't as, as passionate about this as I had initially thought. And around this time, or even just before I started that one year, I had taken this holiday with a group of friends to, to Portugal. And essentially, I, I sort of, I went to Portugal with about 600 800 pounds i can't even remember it was within that range in my bank account 400 euros in cash and i came back from that holiday with nothing in my bank account no cash and a broken phone and what had happened was this weird thing where when you're when you want to be an actor right you assume you're going to be broke that's that's the gen the general the general idea is you're going to be broke until you make it and, and that's you you accept that kind of life when i came back from that holiday i was i suddenly had this feeling or this this wish to start making money and it's something I hadn't had before like I did not have that before and I was like okay like what what, what can I do and I started searching up on YouTube on Google how to make money and I started seeing videos from this guy called Gary Vaynerchuk and Gary V was talking about flipping items on eBay and going to these garage sales or as we have them here in the UK car boot sales and you know, buying items there and selling them on eBay for a profit. And I was like, okay, let's, let's start with that. And I started looking around my room first to sort of find things in my room that I could sell. I was selling I found my sister. Of- <laughs> 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 <Hey>. <laughs> I found my sister and I ended up selling her on eBay. And that's, that's what it's like when you want to make money. But yeah, I, I sort of found these consoles. I, I had all these old games that I used to play. I was selling this on eBay. And, and what I was realizing was as they were getting sold on eBay was, wow, this is, this is, this is amazing. Like I was earning money for myself. And then I went to car boot sales and I had called up a friend of mine as well, who I thought would have been interested in it. And he had agreed that we went to these car boot sales and we started buying stuff and trying to flip them on eBay. And all in all, since the moment I started doing this from selling stuff in my room to when I kind of finished stopped doing it it was about three months and I had like made up all the money that I had lost during the holiday but more importantly there was that lingering feeling of wow that was great like I I had actually made this money and I'd done it myself and it set this kind of spark where I was slowly becoming more interested in business now relating back to the idea of where that where that leaves me when it comes to acting was now the the voice of you know too passionate about this this acting thing james was slowly starting to become you're not that passionate about acting and you really like this entrepreneurship thing and that started to grow and obviously that that became more of an appealing voice because it gave me an alternative 
And then I, as I continued going through that one year of training, I was going through my second year of auditions for drama school. And I was doing that. And at the same time, I was searching online more of this, you know, how do I make money and all of this stuff? Because I'm coming in as this, as this person who'd never had a business background, none of that stuff. And I was very new to it. And I was being fed these advertisements initially of these guys who are, you know, appearing with like a Lamborghini in the background and they're flashing money and they're, they're making these crazy claims about, you know, what their students have achieved through their online courses. And, you know, they're, they're throwing up these business models like drop shipping or social media marketing agencies and all of this stuff. And I was just like, wow, this sounds incredible. If this was me, you know, a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have bought it, but now I was in a position where, it almost became a desperation to kind of make money. And that's a really, really important point because I was coming from this place of, of desperation where I was feeding into these, these ads that I was seeing. And what essentially happened was I, I got on this course, which was all about social media marketing and then running an agency like that. And it was a course that was very expensive and it was about how you can start this business up. And I bought into it. And I called a friend up again, I'm still in acting training. I called a friend up and I said, Hey, I've just been thinking about this business idea. And he was already familiar with it. And, and he said, yeah, let's do it together. And we kind of agreed that we'll start this business whilst I was doing training. And, and there was almost this battle again between my two minds, like, what are you doing? Like you're doing acting and you want to get into drama school, but you're trying to do this other thing with your friend in my head. I sort of justified it as I can do both at the same time. Right. But what ended up happening was I failed to get in on my second year of auditions at drama school. And it was, I think at that point where the switch, or I, I guess the, the weights were slowly being tipped towards the other side where I was realizing that maybe this acting thing isn't for me. Maybe I shouldn't keep pursuing it as I have been relentlessly. And then what happened was I, I read a book by a guy called MJ DeMarco, which was uh, the book was called The Millionaire Fastlane. And I remember I was on the, I was on the train. I was about to get my headshots done for acting where I picked up this book and it was a weird feeling where the moment I was going through it, I realized that I wouldn't be thinking about things the same way after I finished. And I even remember being extremely angry as I was reading this book at the fact that there were so many gurus and so many of these finance books that I had read in the past that didn't tell me what was what I was being told in this book. And and all it all it was, and really all MJ's book is, is just what entrepreneurship is about, which is solving a problem in the marketplace and providing actual value to people. And that wasn't what I got from the gurus and even from this business that I just started with my friend. It was much more about money and focusing on on making money and, you know, sign 10 clients paying you 1000, you're going to make six figures at the end of the year. <laughs> and there was very little or no talk about value and what can you actually provide to the market. And as I was reading this book, I started realizing this and I started realizing that number one, I wasn't as passionate about acting and I was starting to accept this. Number two, I had been looking at business and entrepreneurship and wealth and making money in the completely wrong way and a very selfishly minded way. And slowly I, I started being more vocal about my 
my disinterest in, in acting, which is very tough to do. And mm-hmm. I think I imagine there's like a lot of people and I've spoken to a lot of people who have this where you've built like this identity on being this thing where it's like you have this vision in your head of everyone who knows that you want to be an actor and is believing in you and you have this idea of telling them and then all of a sudden it's just this disappointment that you imagine painted across their face when you tell them that you're no longer interested in, in doing acting. When in reality... I would tell some, some people about it and they'd be like, oh, like that, that's a shame. And that would be it. And they'd forget the next two weeks, next month, it's over. And I realized that no one really cares it, as, as it much as you. to them. Yeah, it doesn't. Because they've all got their own things, right? They've all got their own acting that they're pursuing. Or they're wrestling their own... with their own mind. Yeah, own exactly. Thoughts. Exactly, exactly. And that was what I was, uh, I was realizing when I was telling people. The hardest one for me was kind of telling my... <laughs> My parents, uh, especially my mom, who, who was like so extremely like invested and supportive of me doing the acting, that was probably the toughest one for me because, yeah, I, I knew how much that my mom like really wanted me to succeed in this thing. And, and she supported me all the way and kind of having to tell her that I'm no longer interested in it was was very difficult. But at the end of the day, she said, look, I'm going to support you in whatever it is that you end up doing. If you think the acting isn't it, that's fine. I'll still support whatever it is that you choose to do after. And slowly I, I sort of departed from acting and I became more invested now into the business side of things. And I guess this story comes in multiple bad and like quote unquote bad investments because I one was the acting, but two was also getting involved with the whole fake guru side of things where it's sort of preying on a desperation for money as opposed to really giving you core principles that are, that are far more beneficial in, in, I think, the business world and especially if you're trying to start up a venture. But the flip side of this comes after this whole, uh, all of these events, which is that once I had been doing this business with my friend, this social media marketing agency. I just sort of finished up my year of, of training. We quickly realized that it wasn't working out. We weren't signing any clients. We had like free trial clients, but they wouldn't like, they wouldn't follow up at the end of the month. And it's that whole typical thing of just, they don't really respect you as a business owner. And we were realizing it wasn't working out and we decided to quit. And it was at that point where I was like, okay, now I've started with, with a clean slate. And that was when I began thinking of actual businesses and actual proper ideas that I could, I could have where I'm trying to solve a problem in the market. And one of these problems that I had always thought about was the fact that a lot of people have the sentiment of, you know, why aren't we taught about taxes or how a mortgage works or how the stock market works at school? And that's a common sentiment that I always constantly hear. And it's something that I've even felt coming from an acting background. It's like a whole new world to me. And so I was like, yeah, so there's a problem. What's the solution now, James? And I thought of my initial idea was I will do something like uh, Code Academy, which is a website where you can learn to code. And I remember it from when I was younger. And I remember thinking how amazing it was that this idea, made, this uh, website made learning how to code a very accessible thing. So I thought, how about I do something like a Code Academy, but for learning about financial related subjects? And that sort of started my first this this initial idea and i was going to call this platform quidemy and at this time i read the lean startup as well which was an amazing book that allowed me to kind of remove away all the all the additional baggage that i was trying to to add on to to this idea that i was creating and instead of having this website with a forum with a chat room and all this stuff i just create a website very simple that would have just for now one course on it i built the website inside of a month this is now 
December time, 2019. I built the website inside of a month. It wasn't the best looking, but it was functional. It did the job. And now it was all about just creating that first course. Now at the same time, I was thinking, how can I promote this thing? And the one thing that came into my head was, oh, I could start a YouTube channel because I'd been watching someone like Graham Stephan, for example, who I actually on the flip side of the fake guru stuff, who I thought was very genuine and who I very much liked and thought his advice was good. I, I watched him and I'd seen his YouTube channel grow and I realized, okay, I can do something like this and I can indirectly promote this other business. And so I spent the month of sort of January learning how to edit videos and I ended up right at the end of that month creating the first video on the channel. And the moment I created it, I had this weird thing of where I realized a lot of these skills that I had built up and my interests kind of all aligned after I learned video editing. My The, the love for storytelling, my interest in acting in the past and my love for films and suddenly my interest in entrepreneurship and business once I learned video editing, it allowed me to combine all of these things to create videos about business, finance, entrepreneurship, but utilizing the sort of acting background through my narration and through the content style, where it was like a whole new thing for me. And I suddenly realized I, I need to do like a video on this whole fake guru stuff that I had gone through in the past. I need to make a video on this. And so I ended up creating that video. And suddenly after that video, I did this Instagram video. I did another video. And then another time I was like, oh, I need to talk about the whole self-help industry, which is a story I didn't even touch on in here. There's, there's a bunch of stories going on at one, uh, one time. But I needed to talk about the whole self-help industry and my experiences with that. And then I wanted to talk about reading MJ's book and how the values in there were taught. And I made the untold truth about money. And after I made that video, I was, I was at about maybe... 200 or so subscribers, which was amazing for me. And these videos, you know, they, they'd gone and maybe a couple hundred views. I think the most viewed one was 600 views maybe. Mm. And then I wake up all of a sudden one day and I, I just go through my normal morning routine. I look at my phone and I just check the analytics and I see that suddenly where I normally get zero views to 10 views an hour, if even that, I was at 15 to 20 views an hour. And I was suddenly thinking, okay, something's gone weird. Someone must have pushed out somewhere. Someone's promoted it. And I looked at the back end and I was seeing that, oh, these were actually coming from YouTube's suggested videos there. The algorithm was starting to push it. Mm. And from then on, it became this, this spiral and this snowball effect of just, you know, every single day, the amount of views I was getting per hour was just going up and up and up and up from like 500 to 1000 to 1500. And it was becoming like insane. And the subscribers were going off. My phone was blowing up. I remember like specifically these four days where I just my heart was pounding like crazy because of the just the uh, like overwhelming stimulus from all of this happening at once in such a short period of time where I just literally had to do laps in the local park to release energy because I could not focus and I still had another video I was trying to create but thankfully sort of after these four days I, I relaxed a little bit into it I became a little more acquainted with the fact that yeah I guess this is this is it now this is my this is my thing this is where I'm going to continue pursuing because the market has responded incredibly favorably to what I was doing with the channel. And so I think it's worth going into. There's a lot of scale with YouTube. I always had these thoughts mm -hmm. in my head as well, because it's important that if you're going to go into any kind of venture, you want to make sure that there is that longevity to it, depending on your goal. But for me, you know, YouTube has great scale to it. And yeah, I guess that brings us into present day, but to come full circle with this, Andrew, and to really touch on the, the lessons that I learned from my, you know, quote unquote, worst investments, was that I had a call 
come when I was at, I think I hit 10,000 subscribers and I had a call from a friend and he said to me, oh, James, it's really good that you didn't get into drama school. And the moment he said that, I was like, I, I, oh. I sort of, t- I took a moment and I was like, actually he's he's right and and I, I realized i looked through a lot of the stuff right that i had perceived as failures or, or bad investments of my time and energy that they were in fact very necessary to get to that point where i was at for example mm-hmm. not getting into drama school meant that i was now going to be focusing on doing this business stuff if i'd gone into drama school i'd probably still be having this battle in between my head for three years along with paying for a student you know student debt that comes that comes along with it on top of that the whole going into the fake guru rabbit hole getting that course and doing this business that ended up failing if i hadn't done that i wouldn't have created that fake guru video and that fake guru video was the first video that blew up on the channel that was kind of where everything began if it wasn't for me then reading MJ DeMarco's book, I wouldn't have created Don't Tell Truth About Money, which was the most popular video on the channel. And if it wasn't for that holiday in Portugal where I lost the, a lot of my money, I wouldn't have even had this desire or this interest in wanting to make money in the first place. And so it's it's when he, when he said that to me over the phone, I, I had this realization going through all these events where I started to realize that, wow, like there were so many things that I really did think were failures or that I just didn't, I or were unrelated entirely that were really helpful in getting me to the position that I, that I'm currently in. Mm. Um, and, and I guess yeah. that's, that's one huge, huge lesson that I have <clears throat> taken, which is that even just even like starting with an idea that you want to go for six months with, and just to try it out is so important and to just try and try things. I even had like, like you know, I, I was I would have been fine this year with one thousand subscribers, and that would have been it. I just said, give it a year, really, to myself when I was starting. Give it a year and see how it goes, and look what became of that. On top of that, look what became of after you know trying out the business thing, and how I failed in that business. Although I didn't you know at the time that this would happen, that was very important for me when I started the YouTube channel. And I imagine that a common theme that people find is is maybe not regret with with bad investments, but but rather a sense of there's an experience and there's a lesson that has been that has come from it that in fact made it very important that you sort of failed. And I was lucky that I had these failures come very quick in a very short period of time to learn from them. But yeah, that that is pretty much it. That All sums right. up. Really. Well, let me let me summarize some things that I take away from it. You know, one of the things the first thing is that what's one of the main messages that I get is business is about bringing value. Mm. And it's not about money. In fact, money is the validation usually that you've brought value. But if money is the pursuit, well, you can just go out and rob someone and you got money. (laughs) You know, I I remember someone was saying, look at this guy, look at how much money he has. You know, it was a guy I knew and he wasn't a particularly bright guy, but you know, he had, he had a ton of cash and, Mm. you know, I just thought what a fool I am, you know? And then a couple of, Months later, he was shot in the chest and died because he was stealing the money mm. and he stole it from the wrong people. And I just thought, oh, yeah, that's right. You can get a lot of money if you steal it. So it just talked to me about the idea of bringing value to your place mm. that, you, you know, that, that you're meant to bring value. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is I, I think back, I, I have something I always say to my interns. And I've got a lot of them these days during the COVID times. There's a lot of young mm. people that want jobs, but you know, they're not there. So I always tell them that 
you know, I, I always say something kind of crazy, and that is every job is the same. And they're like, well, how could that be? I mean, you got a salesperson is different from a factory manager who's different from an analyst like myself. And I say, well, actually, jobs are composed of tasks. You know, you got to make phone calls. You got to write memos. You got to write reports. You got to have meetings. You got to work in Excel sometimes. And you got to work in PowerPoint sometimes. And all of these things are tasks that we do. And what, what I always say is, you know, identify the tasks that you really love to do the most. And then find the job where that is maximized in that <laughs> job. And it's pretty simple. Like I, I could sit in a, you know, particularly when I was younger, I would sit in a spreadsheet for hours and I found the job of being an analyst and I was able to do exactly the tasks that I love to do. Mm. But what, what your story brings out to me is that, you know, just throw yourself into the work you have in front of you and learn the tasks involved with that work. Yeah. That work may not be where you end up, but the tasks and the skills you acquire about those, you know, of mastering those tasks will be applied somewhere else. And it's just a, a jigsaw where we're trying to mix and find the job that has the right mix of tasks. But it's probably more important really in our life, particularly in our young life, to develop the strength in those different tasks. And one of the things I always tell my interns is that the best thing that could come out of this internship is that you find out you don't like this job mm. because you've just mm. saved yourself the challenge, you know, having to go out after you graduate from university and search for this job and get this job, let's say to be an analyst and then work three years in it and find out it's not really for me. And now you got to figure out how to escape that and how to find something else. So that's another thing that, that I, I got from it. So I think from my perspective, value, and just work on the tasks and head it, you know, in front of you and build the strengths because you never know where that would be applied. Anything else you'd add? No, I think that was, that was extremely well put that that's really the big thing for me. And, and if I, I guess if I go back to my old self and, and even improve on anything is just to go in and dive into to more stuff. And even if it doesn't, turn out into you know a quote-unquote success as mm. you say there are tasks in that that will end up becoming useful and, and, and knowing which tasks you like that become essential to as you progress finding out what you what exactly you want to do so let's think about a younger version of you out there a young man or woman out there who's where you were a few years ago and mm -hmm. what one action would you recommend them to take to avoid suffering the same fate. Now that's the question I always ask, but mm -hmm. you know, in some ways I feel like that's not a great question in this situation, but tell us, you know, for someone that's in that situation now, what would you tell them? Yeah, I think, hmm, I think the real bad investment would have been never taking that kind of the investments that I did, the, the bad investments to do in the acting. I think what my advice would be is, is go and try as much as you can and learn from each of those experiences. As you said, even with the interns, it's like the best thing you can have is learning that you weren't for the job. And that's essentially what I would board down my advice to is to go and do something. And just if, if I was going to hone in even more specifically, if it was on the business side is when you 
go for that venture. If you're starting that, that business, be sure that you're always framing it with the value and the problem that you're trying to solve in the market in mind. And if you're, if you're coming from this place of desperation, take a step back and, and realize that that isn't, that isn't really how it, that that's not money should follow after it. As you said, like perfectly said, it's the validation that comes from providing value to the market. Mm. And for the listeners out there, I'll just give you a little story. I teach one of my seminars that I teach is, is how to start building your wealth, investing in the stock market. And it's really for beginners who need to really set a long-term plan and start investing in, let's say, a broad-based ETF or fund, but really build the discipline of investing monthly over time and let the compound effect work for you. And I try not to let older people in the class. <laughs> it's too painful. I had a 55-year-old guy that was in my class, so about my age, and he came up to me and says, this is unbelievable. Everything I'm learning from you, I, I, I wish I had learned when I was 20, <laughs> but, but I didn't, and I'm only learning it now, and I've made all the mistakes that you have said, and I don't have any retirement savings. So, and then that's when they, he pulls me aside, and he says, can you tell me the fast way to make money? <laughs> I know this is the slow way, the steady, the turtle in the hair, the tortoise in the hair, but you know, tell me the fast way to make money. Cause I got, I'm going to retire when I'm 60, I'm 55. And I always say, if I had a fast way to make money, don't you think I would be doing that? Mm. You know, like just, it's like, what's the fast way to get muscle? What's the fast way to lose weight? Usually these things are either illegal or the consequences of them can be enormous, you know, from the law. So it just reminds me that, you know, there's no shortcuts to success. And the books that say the secret of this or the secret of that, this is all just marketing hype in most cases. Mm. And really it comes back to fundamental principles that our parents and our grandparents taught us, which is, you know, put in the work and work diligently and with good people and all that. Yeah, I think even just to add on to, to what you said, Andrew, I think for me, even I don't even think there's, I think it's, it's possible to make money in, in a fast like amount of time. I don't even think that the speed in which someone wants to achieve that, obviously it depends on the medium in which you're doing it with. I don't even think the speed at which someone wants to achieve it is, is even an issue, rather the idea that they want it to be easy. Like if you look at something like Instagram as an example of like the video that I did, I mean, these guys started you know, from when they started to when they sold the company, it was about three years uh, and they sold it for 1 billion. That's 1 billion in three years. But if you look at really the work that went behind it and the, their ability to have to, you know, pull in these investors from the start and have to pivot from their initial idea to finally get Instagram and actually code that and get it running, that was a lot of work. And, you know, someone can look at a story of that and then see, oh, wow, they did it so fast. And then take that away as, as in, oh, I can get rich quick and easy. But the, the problem is the easy side of it. Mm, yeah, it's a good point. And yeah. I think when I was, I'm, I may have phrased it not really correctly. When I was talking about this, I should have really said to make money in the market because the stock market mm. is such a complex environment. Yeah. You've got millions of people in there trying to extract, you know, profit from it. And so it's, you know, having dealt with professional fund managers all my career as an analyst mm -hmm. and a broker, what I found is that it's just really hard, you know, for everybody involved. So, but yes, in fact, what I teach in that course also is that if you want to get rich, do business. Yeah, Don't yeah. try to, you know, get fancy in the stock market because that usually ends up in 
failure. So mm-hmm. last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Number one goal for the next 12 months. I think the big thing for me right now and with the channel and where it's going, uh, I've been trying to get very clear on the vision and, and where I really want it to, to kind of head down the line in the next five years. And for me, I, I've come to a very quick and easy realization that I'm going to have to start bringing in a team of people to help me out. And so my number one goal in the next 12 months, even in a, a shorter amount of time is to, is to start bringing in video editors and finding a video editor for me, as well as finding in bringing in people to help me with the research side of things and potentially someone with more of a managerial role that kind of runs or helps out with very day-to-day activities and sort of this time next year I'd love to have some sort of team that has been that has been created and that helps me with the channel and creating this sort of the content that I do at the moment but to even better standard that I've got at the moment Mm. that's exciting and for the listeners out there you know what James is talking about is taking a a vocation or a skill and turning it into a business. And what I always say about business is you got to remember that there's many different aspects of it. There's the production, there's the, the selling of it, the marketing of it. There's also the accounting and the finance of it. And you've got to get all of these things together to build a successful business. So I'm excited to, to follow up with you in, a, in 12 months and hear about your success. So, all right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com to claim your discount on the course that excites you the most. As we conclude, James, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? No, other than thank you very much, Andrew. I really did appreciate coming on. Yes. And it's our pleasure having you on. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, saying, I'll see you on the upside.